Hey guys, thanks for checking out this week's edition of the Dynasty Blueprint. This week, Matt and I welcome Dan Sanio back to the show to take a look at week eight in the NFL, including Le'Veon Bell's struggles, the Cleveland Browns' struggles, and what to do with those players in a Dynasty League. We also wrap up the show by ranking our top 10 Dynasty tight ends. You might be surprised by some of the guys who don't make that top 10 list. Here's the show. Welcome to another edition of the Dynasty Blueprint. I'm your host, Ryan McDowell, joined as always by Matt Williamson. Matt, how are things? Things are great. How about you? I'm doing well. This week, we're going to, of course, take a look back at week eight, uh, the, some of the news and the Dynasty impact from those games. We're also going to try to come to a consensus on our tight end rankings. I think that's one position that has seen a ton of change uh, over the past couple of months of game action. So we'll we'll try to uh, agree on that. Uh, as always, we've got our buddy Dan Sanio from the Dino Tradecast, Dynasty Tradecast. How are you, Dan? I'm good. I'm, I'm happy to be here. we got a little consistency going on. I, I'm, I'm excited. Two weeks in a row. That's right. We made it. <laughs> it's officially a streak. That's that's right. We're we're definitely glad to be here. We're glad to have you here again to talk week eight. As always, you released your... Uh, your own dynasty recap of every game uh, with the relevant, most relevant players uh, on Twitter earlier today. We're going to hit on a few of those, and we're going to start with a couple of changes at the quarterback position. Uh, the Broncos have, uh, I guess we shouldn't say benched, because the story is that Joe Flacco is hurt. That also seemed to coincide with Flacco... Uh, voicing his displeasure uh, about some of the play calling. But either way, Flacco is out. Also, Andy Dalton is out in Cincinnati, at least out as the starter. Uh, So we're going to get Brandon Allen for Denver, at least until Drew Locke is ready. We're getting Ryan Finley for the Bengals. And we have to assume this is probably not going to be good news. As as frustrating and and sometimes just as bad as Flacco and Dalton were, it can't be good news for Cortland Sutton, Tyler Boyd, A.J. Green, if he uh, eventually returns. Dan, what's your take on these quarterback changes? Well, in the short term, it's most certainly not good for anyone involved. I'd be I'd be extremely impressed if either one of these guys taking over their respective backfields is even remotely ready for an NFL start let alone to lead an, an NFL offense uh, as your play caller, as your, as your quarterback. And as, as kind of scary as it can be having, having two new quarterbacks coming in, we've got enough rele- relevant faces uh, between Denver and Cincinnati, even though you know Cincinnati's been kind of in the dumps all season and, and Denver's been kind of hit and miss and now moving Manny Sanders. It's basically Sutton and, and Noah Fant and then the backfield. So I think our, our real wise move right now is – Probably just to hold tight. If you're getting a, an aggressive offer for AJ Green from a contender, 
I, I think he'd be really wise to sell at this point because, to be completely honest, I'm not entirely sure he's making his way back because of that dumpster fire. It's probably not worth it for him to come back in, in when he's most likely going to be moved uh, in the future or on a different team. Um, Tyler Boyd is still someone I really like. I'm, I'm holding on to him. Uh, John Ross, Auden Tate, even those kinds of guys, I think, uh, are definitely worth hanging on to. Again, unless you're getting an aggressive offer for them, but usually when we have quarterback changes for the worse, that's you know oftentimes when people are kind of dumpster diving and throwing low balls at you. So I, I think we're probably holding all the way across the board, aside from maybe AJ Green, if you are getting decent offers. Matt, I know you had a chance to take a look at both of these rookie quarterbacks. And again, we're we're going to fast forward to the, the Drew Locke era in Denver. We know it's Brandon Allen in the short term, but it will be Drew Locke eventually in, in two to three weeks whenever he's cleared. So between Locke and, and Finley in Cincinnati, what did you see of those guys as you uh, looked at their tape last offseason? Yeah, and real quick, I mean, basically to agree with Dan, I think it kills these guys for this year, but I'm also happy that it's happening so big picture we can figure out, much like a GM of a team, do we have something in these guys or not? You know, so if I have Boyd or Sutton stock, and I at least get to see two, three months, whatever, of young quarterback and say, oh, that was encouraging, or boy, it's bad. You know, so I think knowing that is useful as a dynasty owner. These two couldn't be much more different, though. I mean, one is very gifted, athletic, strong arm, but high variance, where Finley, to me, is very close to the vest, cerebral, get it out quick. So I think both have a chance. I was much more impressed with Finley in the preseason, though, of the two. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and I also agree, Dan, with what you said to start off that conversation. The only thing I would throw in is, you know, we have been seeing, and, and we'll find out if it continues, but we've been seeing the breakout of Cortland Sutton. So if if you can find that frustrated dynasty owner in your league who, for some reason, wants to give up on him because of uh, because of this move maybe maybe you find a contender who needs to move Sutton for a win now piece if we start to see him fall off I would absolutely be trying to buy Sutton uh, Noah Fant Tyler Boyd if there is any kind of discount I think that that probably goes without without saying most definitely I think I think it's been really promising this season for Cortland Sutton seeing the big leaps he's made uh, even with you know Joe Flacco as his quarterback, and now we'll see Brandon Allen for a little bit. I would imagine his his floor will almost entirely deteriorate, um, but I, he'll still have enough now where we'll be confident for 2020 and beyond. And um, I think Noah Fant is is one of those guys. After the Manny Sanders trade, I think if people weren't starting to send aggressive offers for Noah Fant, um, I, I think you're kind of behind the eight ball. That's that's one where I think we could really start to see Fant sprout, especially now going to the potentially third-string quarterback instead of the second-string quarterback with Locke out for the short term, um, they could lean on Fant a little bit because he's probably going to be working a lot more in that intermediate stuff. Um, and then looking at Finley, um, just really quick before we before we move over, I think I think Finley is not uh, he he to me he feels more just like a a. Sp- a career backup, if we want to call it that. I think he's your game manager type. Um, his his best game he could have would be like a, a mediocre Alex Smith game, 
uh, and his bad games are going to be real bad, I think. <laughs> it's funny because this is going to be the tight end show, and I, we didn't plan this, but I'm glad Fant came up because I think you two are going to be a lot higher on him than me. Ooh, we'll, we'll find out at the end. A teaser. Uh, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> uh, you know, I will say, I mean, these teams have been bad all year. They're they're going to continue to be bad, and, and these quarterbacks, even if they are a downgrader, are going to have to throw the ball around. Joe Mixon has already been struggling, so I think maybe the expectations are gone with him, at least in the short term. I could see this really hurting the Denver running game, where Freeman and and Philip Lindsay have both been useful fantasy assets from week to week. So I'm probably more worried about the running game even than than Sutton and Boyd and these guys. Yeah, I mean. It- I think Royce Freeman is is probably the guy I'm less worried about because he does still have that draft capital behind him. Whereas Philip Lindsay, it looks like they've kind of slowed his role uh, a, quite a bit compared to what they were doing last year. So uh, I think I think it is probably pretty darn worrisome for Philip Lindsay in the fact that these teams are just going to load up and stop the run. Um, but for for uh, Royce Freeman's future, I think he'll still be okay. But for the short term, this could be a really good opportunity to buy any of these players that you happen to like, whether it's Mixon or the or the Denver running backs or any of the pass catchers. Well, we all expected Kenyon Drake to be traded from the Miami Dolphins. I don't think anyone, at least I didn't hear much conversation of this landing spot. He ends up getting traded to Arizona. That was, I guess we can say that was precipitated by not only the injury to David Johnson, but then the injury this past week to Chase Edmonds. That left them with uh, Zach Zinner and uh, and Alfred Morris. And I don't know. I, I know you, you, you don't feel great about run, running those guys out in your lineup, uh, either as a fantasy team or certainly as an NFL team either. But this Cardinals team is not in contention for the playoffs. This trade really was a confusing one to me. I think you just, it seems like you just kind of roll with what you have and, and and take your punches, but that's not what Arizona did. They trade for Kenyon Drake. And now they have this trio of David Johnson, Chase Edmonds and Drake, who have all been, have had various levels of success in recent weeks. And and obviously in, in Johnson's case over the past few years, Dan, what are we doing with with this trio? Who are you buying? Who are you selling? Or are you just staying away altogether? Well, I don't know that I'm necessarily staying away unless all of the prices are kind of what they've been or what maybe they're expected to get to. I think David Johnson's a clear hold here. He's been very good this year. I love the fact that he's in this Kingsbury offense with a mobile quarterback. That, that frees him up big time. I think they'll add another pass catcher next year uh, of – you know some real relevance and and really get Kyler surrounded with the players that he needs, and that's kind of where I think this Drake moves co- comes in. I, I think they did it more for Kyler and and his development than anything. I, I think this is just to help him continue to have a solid rookie year and to continue continue to make those steps forward to a nice career. And if I'm if I'm truly buying any of these guys, I think it would be Drake, but only if that price is palatable you know the the mid to late second if people are getting out from that at, at with that kind of price i think i'm okay buying because i do still think Kenyon drake is a more than serviceable running back and now he's going to have the lead touches even if it is just for a short little while in in a relatively explosive offense and then you get to chase edmonds at the end and while he did have a nice a nice you know week we'll we'll call it one nice week 
I, I don't know that his price ever should have gotten where it did. Uh, yeah, there was some concern about DJ, but Edmonds was the backup for a reason. If he was in real contention, he would have been taking touches from DJ all along or you know, having a bigger role in the offense in general. So I, I think if people are still, you know, and even with Edmonds' injury, I think if people are still um, you know, holding him in high regard, I think he's a really easy sell. Otherwise, if, if the injury has just completely gotten rid of all of his value, I'd probably just hold because he's he's a fine player. I, I wouldn't say he's great or, or better than either DJ or Drake. So uh, I think I think all across the board, we're probably just holding unless there's a small window for Drake if that price isn't there yet. I agree with a lot of that. I've always been a Drake fan, you know, like in real football. More, I think he's better in real football than he is in uh, for fantasy in general. I would be... Kicking the tires or maybe putting an offer in on Johnson, though. I think he's still really, really good. Obviously, Edmund's stock from the last time we talked last Tuesday night is dropped uh, uh, tremendously for two reasons. You know, injury and the addition of Drake. But I'm wondering, if I'm thinking about this through Kingsbury's lens, is does he realize that whenever I put Edmonds and Johnson out there with three receivers... It, it it was getting my best players on the field, and it really isn't that much different. If you if you go out with twenty personnel, as opposed to ten personnel and four receivers, it really isn't that much difference with what Johnson brings. But maybe you have a linebacker out there instead of a corner. Then maybe we see two quote running backs on the field more because it's a a nice way to manipulate you know some of the personnel groupings on defense. Yeah, we we were all certainly excited about uh, Kingsbury coming in and and just what he would bring to the Cardinals and and really to the league as a whole. And I think just to put it kindly, there have been mixed reviews so far. There, uh, he he has definitely not lived up to expectations uh, eight weeks into the season. And Matt, you mentioned Edmonds, just how much things have changed in this in this past week since we last chatted. I mean, last week we were talking about this guy potentially being traded for a first-round pick, right. and we talk about Dynasty being the, the long game and a three-year window or, or even longer than that for some, and now in, in just a few days, the value of this specific player has changed dramatically. Uh, I, I do still like Edmonds as a buy. I'm a believer in him. Uh, Matt, I disagree with you. Not Not a huge Drake fan, so that would... Uh, if that's creating a buying window for Edmonds, or maybe if this injury does, I'm going to take advantage of that and still try to get him on my roster. Guys, let's move on and talk about Le'Veon Bell. He was actually rumored to be shopped or, or to potentially be traded as the trade deadline approached. Of course, that didn't happen. This guy is having a rough year. I, I found some numbers from 2014 through 2017, his last last four seasons with the Steelers, Le'Veon Bell only had four games outside of the top 20 uh, fantasy running backs. Only four weeks outside of that top 20. He's already done that. He's already matched that this year with the Jets in just seven games. And then uh, most recently this past week, he was the running back 40 uh, in a week that a couple teams were on by. So this, uh, it, it's not getting any better. You have to assume the relationship between uh, Bell and the coaching staff is not very good there. Dan, are, are we just selling low on Le'Veon at this point? 
I think this is one of those rare times where I'm okay condoning selling low if, if I've absolutely have to. If you need to move him for for production elsewhere or or just get out from under it, I think I think he's stuck here at least for the remainder. Obviously now for the remainder of the season because I would highly doubt they're going to cut him and just eat that contract. And it's possible he's still around there for all of 2020 too, or maybe he holds out again and does some, you know, anything is, is really within reason. So I think if people are still valuing him as a high end RB two, or even some places, probably a low end RB one for the guys that are holding on to the name and, you know, the, the historical data, I think you're, you're getting yourself at the very least market value. So I think I'm okay moving Le'Veon. The usage, you know, for the first month or so in the season was was fine. I mean, he was getting the touches, just wasn't producing yards. He was getting targets. Again, just wasn't producing much with it. And all of a sudden, it's like the valve shut off the last few weeks. So uh, I think I think because it's Adam Gase and that offense has been just absolutely abysmal, I'm I'm more than happy moving right now if I can get anything anything for you know around where he's at i'm not just completely tanking and be like yeah i'll take a second round pick for him uh i'm not going that crazy but i think you still have enough believers where you should be able to get something of value for him i might be one of those believers and it shocks me to say that because i've been telling the steelers on steeler nation radio for since 2017 that they should have sold him that his best days are behind him and tomlin ran him into the ground and his body won't be able to hold up. But it's funny because as I was driving home tonight, I was listening to J.J. Zacharyson's 15 transaction show. And one of his shows was by Le'Veon Bell. You know, and he's talking about redraft, of course. And I'm immediately thinking, man, you watch the same guy I damn. And his thoughts were, go look at the Jets' schedule for the rest of the year. And his value is so low that even if you're just starting him based on volume against awful opponents, you know, for the next, you know, handful of weeks, you might get a fair amount out of them. And I know their line is horrific and there's bad juju up there, but I don't think he's moved all that poorly. I mean, he doesn't look like the guy when he was in Pittsburgh. And he probably never will, as I thought, but he he's still a good running back. Yeah, guys, we talked about some of the running backs in that second or third tier last week and, and discussed how their value was was falling. Uh, Dan, do you want Le'Veon Bell or Joe Mixon in Dynasty? I think I'm taking Mixon just, if anything, for the age difference and the potential future because I I still believe Mixon is is a high-end running back, whereas Le'Veon, for me, has always been the high-end pass catcher. Um, I think Mixon can do it all, and, and Le'Veon, with all those miles on him, I, I think is is that's a that's a clear mix in for me even with the mix in struggles on Cincinnati's horrible offense too it's a it's a battle of bad offenses no doubt and plus they might they're gonna have Jonah Williams next year and I'm sure they'll add another you know they have some semblance of an offensive line there and he's a lot younger oh yeah we can definitely have faith in the Bengals to get it turned around for sure (laughs) for sure you're on it Uh, yeah We'll throw a couple more out really quickly, and then we'll move on. Uh, Le'Veon or Melvin Gordon? Probably Melvin. I think I think the I think the Wizenhunt move is is going to be important for that offense. Matt, you agree with that one? I'm going to go Gordon. Uh, just younger. Where's he going to be a year from now? I'll kind of jump towards the unknown as opposed to the no. I don't know where Bell's going to be next year either. I guess. Yeah, that's true. Right. Last one: Bell or Derrick Henry. Go ahead, Matt. <laughs> Plead the fifth. Yeah. I'll go Bell just because he catches passes. 
Yeah, I think I take Bell there just for the PPR upside. I do like Henry, and he's continually uh, you know undervalued, but uh, I think I think Bell gets that one just just in the potential usage in the passing game. All right, guys, we'll stick with the uh, the selling low or maybe buying low conversation. Let's talk about the Browns offense. Nobody expected really a, a win against the Patriots, but we just continue to see Baker Mayfield struggling, Odell Beckham Jr. struggling. Uh, and, and of course, David Njoku is, is stuck on the injured reserve list right now. And the value of all three of these guys who are all being drafted as, as top five options at their position uh, earlier in the season, it, they're just tanking. And it's, it's, really, uh, it's, it's really kind of frustrating from a dynasty perspective, specifically with those guys, because we, we've seen Nick Chubb not only uh, maintain, but really gain some dynasty value this year. So, Dan, Baker Mayfield, OBJ, David Njoku, are you buying or selling? What to do with these three? I think because their prices are starting to really get down there and and not necessarily hitting the bottom of the barrel, but when you consider three um, at least positional elite assets at one time, now this price is getting really, really palatable. And I, I think... Because that we what we saw last year was enough for me to believe that these guys can all be cohesive and and really just be an explosive offense. I think I think the common the common denominator here as far as what's not working is Freddie Kitchens as the play caller. I think they need to move on from that and and I think if we as dynasty owners can outlast Freddie Kitchen as, Kitchens as a play caller will be in a better place, uh, but that it's all going to depend if they hang on to Kitchens or um, if they they stick with him for too long and he continues to call the plays. So I think I think I'm getting back now where you can probably get Baker as a low end QB one. You could probably get OBJ as like a maybe a top ten wide receiver instead of a top three wide receiver. And Njoku is probably in that tight end two conversation now because of injury and because of the way the offense has looked. So. I think I'm I'm going shopping uh, this week before before we get to week nine. I 100% agree, but I'm not sure if Baker's good. You know, I mean, like, because he has some inherent flaws that I, I know being short at NFL as an NFL quarterback sounds like I'm an old man that that's a negative. But even Russell Wilson and Breeze, they have a hard time seeing at times. But they have great trump cards with their movement ability, with their athleticism. Breeze is a you know a world class tennis player, and he moves like it. And Baker doesn't. And I I wonder if he's always going to have a hard time seeing the field, manipulating throwing lanes, things like that. But I think the key, like you said, is Kitchens because I'm not sure he'll be their head coach a month from now. Yeah, I'm not either. And and the great thing about this Brown situation. And the reason I agree that all of these guys are, are, are buy low options right now is we know what's next, whether it's uh, Freddie kitchens, giving up play calling duty, or if he just gets outright fired, we know Todd Monken is there already on the payroll, ready to start calling plays. And a lot of, almost every other time, that's not the case. We, we talked about Ken Wisenhunt getting fired. And so many other times you see, a coaching change and you you're kind of waiting to see if that's going to be a good thing for the players or not. Once the time finally comes, and I think it's a, it's a when, not if it's going to be Todd Monken calling those plays. And that's going to be a good thing for the entire offense. 
All right, guys, last topic of the day is Aaron Jones. Finally, some good news. We saw Aaron Jones go off again in week eight. He was the RB1 overall for the second time this year. He's actually the first running back uh, this season to post two overall RB1 games. Uh, Not even Christian McCaffrey has done that. The first game, Jones did, did it via the touchdown. He scored four times. This time he did it as a receiver, catching seven balls for well over 100 yards and a couple of touchdowns. Looking back at, at our October ADP, he was behind, and, and understandably in some case, but he was behind Derrick Henry, James Conner, Gordon, Carrion Johnson, Todd Gurley, Le'Veon Bell, and he was the, he was the RB19, I believe, Dan, can this guy, can Aaron Jones be an RB1 in Dynasty ADP this month? Um, I think there's enough bodies in front of him where he's very, very close, but I don't know that you can make the case to get him to that top 12. I, I think there's there's still enough in front of him, uh, especially for, with our you know previous bell cow or previous elite backs like your David Johnsons and your, and your girlies who have been kind of sliding down towards that bottom bottom portion of the RB1 situation. I do like Aaron Jones. I think the one thing that that's holding him back from getting to the RB1 status is Jamal Williams. And and obviously the, the offense is great when Aaron Jones is out there, but Jamal Williams has a role and he is taking those touches. And a big part of, of why Jones has been succeeding a, a ton of late is the absence of Devontae Adams and his necessity in the passing game, not just because they want to use him, but because they really don't have anything else. And and Jones is a good pass catcher. I think uh, Jamal Williams is a competent pass catcher, but obviously Aaron Jones is the one that excels here. So I think if anything, they continue to use Jones as, as more of the pass catcher and give uh, Jamal Williams a little bit more of the between the tackles work because they do work as a nice tandem, in my opinion at least. I think both of these guys are really good football players kind of the thunder and lightning, um, you know, of, of years past. So I, I do think he gets close, but because he is in a technical timeshare, uh, I can't put him up into, into that, that RB1 category yet. Well said. I, I don't think Jamal Williams is a really good football player, although the Packers might disagree with me, and I, I, I certainly can concede that. And I can concede that your point is strong, that when Adams comes back, Jones's target numbers will probably drop. But the rest of the receivers and tight ends on that team aren't doing anything and aren't impressive on tape. And Jones in the passing game and his ability to contort and make catches like a receiver and split outside and run wide receiver routes. Like, I'm not saying he's Kamara, but he's... Gonna if he gets that kind of workload, I think he if he's ninety percent of Kamara, I think he's ninety percent of Kamara. I mean, I, I think I think he's for real. I, I do think he'll never be a massive volume guy because every coach he's had doesn't want to give him the rock over and over and over. So there's probably something to that. But he's an immense talent in a really good offense led by a superstar quarterback. Yeah, it just it really just feels like we've had this conversation before. We we looked at uh, at Jones' usage when Jamal Williams was out. We saw him score score the four touchdowns, and he scored he scored several others. I think he I believe he leads the league in touchdowns right now. And it was just it was said. There's no way they can go back to a timeshare. There's no way they can go back to Jamal Williams. 
And as soon as he was healthy, he was back. So now saying the same things, you know, when Devontae Adams comes back, there's no way they're not going to keep giving Jones targets. I think there is a way. I think once they're back at full strength and, and Adams is there getting his dozen targets a game, we have to see Jones roll in the passing game shrink. And obviously that's going to hurt his his upside from week to week in PPR. So I actually think he could end up as um, as an RB1, as a top 12 back in our upcoming ADP. Uh, I mentioned this earlier on Twitter. He was the RB52 in week one, uh, put up a dud game. Since that time, he's the RB1 overall, uh, including outscoring Christian McCaffrey. Wow. Although that was in, in one more game. McCaffrey's had his bye. Jones has not. So that's, that's a total points stat, but still uh, impressive nonetheless. Very impressive. And Brian, you know what else is impressive? Our friends at Harry's. I've been telling people about Harry's now for a long time. Most of the Dynasty Blueprints you've ever listened to, I've told you all about them. Because I'm so impressed with them and they're such good friends of the podcast. I I switched over to Harry's years ago. I'm very happy about it. I have very sensitive skin. And because of Harry's great blades, I no longer have any issues. It's wonderful. They focus on what actually matters, a sharp, durable blade at a fair price. So, Harry's, they return to the essential. I mean, quality, durable blades for just $2 a blade. They've cut out the middleman. They manufacture blades in their German blade factory that's been honing precision blades for a century now, which means you get incredibly high-quality blades at a factory direct price. Harry's is also super convenient. Blade refills are delivered directly to your door on your schedule with or without a subscription. And there's no risk for you to try them out. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. But I assure you, you'll love your shave. So, listeners to our show can redeem their Harry's trial set at harrys.com dynasty. And here's what you get. A weighted, wonderful handle for a firm grip. Five blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade. Rich lathering shave gel with aloe to keep your skin hydrated and smelling great, and a travel travel blade cover to keep your razor dry and easy to grab on the go. So go to Harry's.com/dynasty to start shaving better today. All right, guys, we mentioned this earlier in the show. It is time to try to come to a consensus about our top ten dynasty rankings at the tight end position. And I hinted at this. We've seen a lot of change at that position this year. I think we're, we've got multiple guys kind of knocking on the door of being a top tier, uh, a top tier player at this position. We'll see how it comes out entering the season. That top tier was, was a big three and there was a, a large gap between those three guys and everyone else. I don't think the top three are going to stay the top three though. Is Travis Kelsey your tight end one still, Dan? No, he is not. Matt, what about you? No, mine's Kittle. Dan, Kittle for you as well? Yeah, but the combination of age and production, I don't think there's an argument for anyone but Kittle as tight end one. All right, I am on board with that. I love these conversations because it it just reminds me that I need to go update my (laughs) dynasty rankings. I agree with you guys. It's Kittle. Is Kelsey second? Me, yes, me, I, yeah. I think I think it's Kelsey too with a with a nice thick tier line right behind him. Yeah, I think the, the question is who's three. I agree with that. So that it sounds like we're we're all on the same page. The big three is no longer. Maybe it's a top two. I don't know about how big the gap is though. I 
I really feel like maybe maybe the the big gap is from one to two. Hmm. Maybe Kittle has has stretched things out. All right, let's look at some options for tight end three. Of course, uh, the player I alluded to that was in that top tier entering the season was Zach Ertz. Uh, he's he's had another strong campaign, certainly a, a top twelve tight end scorer, but hasn't seen the volume that the Eagles' offense has struggled as of late. I don't think he's the tight end three anymore. Dan, who do you have at this spot? Uh, I have Evan Ingram as my tight end three, the the big slot, the potential outside wide receiver for the New York Giants, and and the lack of other help. I, I think um, I, I think he's just in with the combination of Daniel Jones for a solid career. Yeah. There's a lot of young guys I like, but I would also vote Ingram cause he's shown that he produces, you know, basically no matter what, there's not a stud receiver in that group. I mean, the, the quarterback has some upside. Uh, yeah. I mean, I could, pr- I could be convinced otherwise, but he is my three as well. All right. I think, I actually think this is the spot. It gets interesting. I think the, the top, those top three are pretty locked in. Of course we have Zach Ertz, Still uh, in the running for the tight end four spot. We've seen guys like Mark Andrews, uh, Darren Waller, Austin Hooper really enjoying huge years this year. And in Andrews and Waller's case, those are breakout years. Hooper was a tight end one last year and, and really is improving on it this year. Hunter Henry maybe also in the conversation despite his injury. He's picked right uh, right up where we expected him to. So is it one of those guys for you, Dan, or is it someone else, maybe? This is a T4 spot, a three-way tie at fourth. Uh, they're all interchangeable for me. Uh, but I, I wrote down in the fourth spot Mark Andrews because of my love for him at Oklahoma and the the work he's done in the NFL so far and the big connection he's had with Lamar uh, Lamar Jackson at this point. I, I think I think because he's the youngest of these these three for me, he's he's got that spot. Hmm, that's interesting. Uh, we uh, disagree. Yeah, we do disagree. I, I bet I, I'm. I've a, got Hooper there. Do you? I, I have Hawkinson. Oh, oh. Well, we're definitely not. We're, we're not putting Hawkinson. I, I no knew chance. it was going to be on an <laughs> island there. I just love the prospect. I think he looks great at this level. I like his quarterback a lot. I know the production's not there, but it's coming. All right. I, I, I like the idea, and he's, he's certainly coming soon. I, I should have at least mentioned him in the conversation. Uh, let's let's yield to our guest and go with Mark Andrews as our tight end four. <laughs> you, can go, you can go Hooper because he's fifth on my list. Okay. We'll, we'll, mm. we'll go with Hooper next. How far is Zach Ertz going to fall here? Further. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm on board with that. I would take Ertz and Henry over Hooper, and I obviously would take Hawkinson over Hooper. Interesting. And Andrews, but he's already listed. Okay, yeah, this is this is getting messy. Matt, we did this with the quarterbacks uh early in the season and it, it felt pretty smooth. We we bring Dan in and things get things get pretty messy. But <laughs> you know, this this really is just a representation of what this tight end position is like right now, because you do have guys chasing Hooper, chasing Henry, and they might be tight end th- that player might be a tight end three for someone and a tight end seven or eight for someone else. So uh, you really have to have to pick your guys. We've got Ingram at tight end three, Andrews tight end four, Hooper at tight end five, Henry versus Hawkinson. Dan, where are you on that? That's Henry. Like I said before, this is a three-way tie at fourth for me between Andrews, Hooper, and Henry. So I could be convinced one way or another for any of the three. Um, so I would go Henry here relatively comfortably. 
I assume you like Henry more than Hawk too, Ryan. I do, but I'm I'm good with Hawkinson next. So we'll put Hooper at five, Henry at six, Hawkinson at tight end seven, and now is it Zach Ertz? It could be Darren Waller. Maybe we're hanging on to David Njoku or OJ Howard. Dan, where are you going? I think we're very close to another tier break. Uh, this is kind of where you've got to have uh, Ertz slotting in. But because of the differences in their trajectories, Waller coming up, Ertz slowly sliding down. I think I do have Darren Waller here because of the big contract, because of what he's done so far in Oakland. Uh, I just feel like it makes too much sense. He's my pick too. And going back to Jared Cook, I think, yeah, I, I like Waller too here, slightly over Ertz. But going back to Jared Cook, I mean, Gruden's done a great job of scheming up these downfield tight ends in the NFL, and I don't think that's going away anytime soon. Matt, we talked about it really often on the show in the offseason. We talked about Zach Ertz and how he was one of the biggest sells of the dynasty offseason. This is why I hope you sold him uh, while you had a chance. We're at tight end nine, Zach Ertz, OJ Howard, David Njoku. We've also got Noah Fant, Dallas Goddard as as possible options. Maybe I'm even forgetting someone. Can it be Zach Ertz at tight end nine? Can we finally get him in there? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I think we can go Ertz here. Let's put Ertz at nine. Of course, that's a fall from uh, from three to nine in just the past two months. Uh, last one, last spot. O.J. Howard, David Njoku, Dallas Goddard, Noah Fant, or maybe none of the above. Dan, which of those uh, young tight ends do you like here? I've got Fant here. I actually have Fant above Hawkinson. Um, To me, Hawkinson feels a lot more like the O.J. Howard bit where he's a really, really good NFL player, but just not quite as useful for fantasy purposes, whereas I see Noah Fant just as a big slot receiver. I feel like they're going to use him, I think, this week. We saw, uh, you know, a potential of what we're going to see in the future of, of Noah Fant. So I do have Noah Fant here. All right. I mentioned I did not like Fant, and it's not for any of the reasons you mentioned. I think his usage is set up to be great. His opportunity is set up to be great. They use draft capital on him. I just don't like the tape. I think he fights the football. I think he's very fast in a straight line. And I think there's a misconception because he tore up the combine that he's a super athlete. I think there's a lot of stiffness in his game. I think he's kind of straight line. I don't think he runs very good routes. So he's not for me. Um, My votes for this last spot would be Goddard followed by Everett and Irv Smith Jr. Yeah, both of those guys that you mentioned there, Everett uh, and Irv Smith, certainly deserve consideration in this range. Uh, I agree with you, with you though, Matt. It's Dallas Goddard for me, so we'll go with Goddard at ten, uh, followed by some combination of those other young guys we've mentioned: uh, Njoku, Fant, Everett, uh, Irv Smith. I think we have to talk a little bit here about Howard and Njoku. Obviously, neither get ranked in our top ten. Uh, Njoku dealing with the injury. Howard now has an injury as well, but has just been uh, just just had a disaster of a season. Are we are we just kind of chalking this up to a lost season for both of those guys? Are we buying low, or, or is this just a, a warning sign of things to come, Dan? 
Well, Njoku, you know, the injury uh, and, and Cleveland not really doing what we thought Cleveland would. Uh, I feel like it, we've got to kind of just chalk this one up to more of a lost season than anything. I still think he can come back and be productive. Uh, I feel like that offense can can find their way back if, if they get away from the Freddie Kitchens play calling. But O.J. Howard, uh, unless he is moved, which it sounds like they're not planning on that, I just don't see it happening in these, this Arians offense. Um you know, that that writing was on the wall, kind of like the Ertz cell window was on the wall. Uh, it, everybody loved him and, and just thought that the historical data following Arians was going to be just completely written off and, and he was all of a sudden going to be going to be a superstar. And, and while I think O.J. Howard is, is an elite football player, I'm not sure it's all going to translate to fantasy production. I think he's he's the football player over fantasy product. Yeah, I think Najoku I feel a little bit better about. Both are phenomenal talents. Um, I just think Howard's usage is a massive problem that is going to be a problem for a while. But I don't think we should forget that many, many tight ends really didn't start to blossom until year four, five. So maybe Howard's a great buy low now that you can get for nothing, sit him on your bench for a year, and then he's tearing it up with the Patriots or something. I mean... I, I don't think the book is written on these guys is what I'm saying. And I also think Chris Herndon's a guy you should snag up now before you see him on the field. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a great point, Matt. And we we do talk about that a lot, yet we still get impatient, even with, with these rookies and second-year players when they don't produce. I mean, a guy like Mike Gusecki wasn't even worthy of being included in this conversation, <laughs> and he's he's – you know he's twenty twenty two games into his career, uh, so that's that's another guy I would I would certainly be trying to buy low and see what happens in twenty twenty and and beyond. So if nothing else, this just tells me we're in a great spot with this tight end position coming into the year. It seemed like the conversation both in redraft and in dynasty was you've got the big three and then nobody else, and then uh, and and then it's just a mess or you don't want any of these guys. I'm I'm glad to have all ten of these guys on my roster, and and we could have gone five or six more uh, with guys I would I would want to target and I value highly in dynasty. So we are in a good spot with the tight end position. We're in a good spot with the dynasty blueprint. Two weeks in a row, we're rolling. We are, we are. Dan, thanks for joining us, listeners. Thanks for being with us as well. We'll be back next week with more dynasty blueprint. <laughs>